Welcome back, everyone. It's Four Wins in June here. We have a lot to discuss because the start of the playoffs is here. Most of the games have already been completed up to game two. But first, we want to start off. We're going to talk about these uh, awards that have happened, awards coming up, and then we'll get into each playoff series. Yeah, there's been a lot of news going around. Um, most recently, the Jaron Jackson Jr. won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, well-deserved. There's lots of jokes, lots of conspiracies around Jaron Jackson, but honestly, I think he was the best defender in the league this year. Um, he, the Memphis had a top-ranked defense pretty much all year, and it was pretty stark difference when he was out for the beginning couple weeks and when he was in. Um, he was an all-star this year. He's playing fantastic, so well-deserved. It was a pretty close race between him, Brooke Lopez, and Evan Mobley, but I think Jaron Jackson Jr. deserved it. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, besides the Grizzlies manager, staff guy, or stats guy kind of making up the stats. I don't know if you've heard about that, but uh, that's kind of funny. I, I don't know. I think the, the depoy this year is the field hasn't been that great recently, yeah. last couple of years. But, hey, 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 hey. You know, Marcus Smart Marcus, deserved it last year. He, and he's showing it again this series. We'll get more into that. He, but. he did. At the, end of, at the end of his career, Marcus Smart needs to have one, so you give it to him. But Yeah, he needs at least one. But Jaron Jackson, yeah, he had the most blocks, right? Yeah. Uh, good defender overall, and, yeah, impacts his team. Yeah, I um, think the only other argument would have been Evan Mobley, in my mind, just because the Cavs had the best defense in the league pretty much the whole year. But at the same time, I was like, yes, they had the best defense, but, like, no one really looked at Evan Mobley and said, yeah, he's a dominant rim protector. It's like they just had a good defensive team. Yeah, for sure. So... There's that. Uh, next one, we have uh, Fox winning Clutch Player of the Year. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, he got like 91 of the first place votes out of 100. So, like, not even really a question. Uh, Jimmy Butler and DeRon DeRozan were the other options. Like, they were good, but, like, no one came close to Fox. It was his award to lose. Yeah. And he dominated. Yeah, and now we have the two that are being announced, one today and one on Thursday, with tomorrow. The Coach of the Year announced today – I think the the three candidates are Mike Brown, Joe Mazzulla, and Mark Dijanel. I don't even know how to Denoit. say it. Denoit. Or something like the that. Thunder coach. Apologies if we can uh, if we get mispronounce it. Denoit. But uh, I think it's the same thing. I think you have to go with the Kings on that one, Mike Brown. Yeah, I think it is Mike Brown. It's interesting because the coach with the best record, Mike Budenholzer, didn't make it. Um, so usually that's how coach of the year ends up going. It's like the coach of the best record wins coach of the year. Um, and of these three, Joe Mazzulla has the best record. So you could go with that. The Thunder coaches, because they made, they weren't dead last in their conference. They were still 10th. Like it's good, but like not as good as Mike Brown. Yeah. I think story wise, it's going to go to Mike Brown. I don't think it's going to be re relatively close either. Um, so yeah, I think Mike Brown gets it, but if we're going by past precedent, it's the coach of the best record, so maybe it's Joe Mazzula. That's true. But yeah. probably not. Right, right. Mike Brown has a strong case, and he's already been voted by the Coaches Association as the coach of the year. Then you have uh, the sixth man of the year. This one's interesting. A lot of people saying that it's Emmanuel Quickly, although the argument is he has kind of been starting. So mm -hmm. are you a sixth man? Portis and Brogdon definitely are. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. What are your thoughts? I think it's Malcolm Brogdon 100%. I think it's not even really close. All people saying quickly are just looking at the games where he started and played like 45 minutes. If anyone plays 45 minutes of the game, they'll have opportunities to put up stats like Emmanuel quickly did. And if you're just looking at pure off the bench, 
then Brogdon clears him in like every statistical category. It's not even really close. It's Brogdon's award, and if he doesn't win it, it's just it's just dumb, in my opinion. It's no. not really a six-man. No, yeah, I would agree. You have to be a six-man. You have to come off the bench. You have to play six-man minutes mm-hmm. to be a six-man of the yeah. year. It's more than just like the concept of coming off the bench. It's the concept of who is the best six-man, the best energizer off the bench to change the momentum of the game. So many times in the Celtics season, the starters have come out slow-paced. But knowing, like, oh, it's okay, we're good. We got Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, and, like, the six-minute mark in the first quarter, he'll come in and consistently get us right back on track, uh, turning things around and allow us to get back into the game. And that's what a six-man is. So mm-hmm. I think Bobby Portis is a really good six-man from Milwaukee as well. He's able to kind of settle down the nerves when maybe Giannis or Drew are having bad nights. He, he crashes the boards. He settles things down, and he's a six-man. Emmanuel quickly is not really a six-man. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, then we have the Rookie of the Year and Most impor- most Improved Player and MVP. Uh, those announcements, well, I mean, we don't know when they're happening, but they're coming, they're coming up. Playoffs. But one thing I was, I was thinking about today, so we all know Laurie Markkinen serving in the Finnish military right now. He's doing his uh, duty to serve there. All uh, people from Finland have the duty to serve. But what do you do if he wins the award? Like, do you deliver to him while in the Finnish military? Like, That's interesting. Because I think, in my opinion, Laurie's the favorite to win most improved player. Yeah. It's like, what's going to happen? Like, is the military just going to let the NBA waltz on in and hand them a trophy? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe give it to, like, the um, the Jazz to get to them later or maybe give it to the family or something. But I was thinking about today. It was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. We hope that he, you know, stays alive in the <laughs> Yeah. Is it in combat? <laughs> I'm sure he's just chilling. He's probably playing yeah. basketball every day. But uh, <laughs> the rookie of the year, I think that's clear. It's Paulo Bancaro. I don't really see any other arguments. Yeah, the only person who didn't vote for him was a writer from the Salt Lake Tribune, vote for Walker Kessler. Get him um, off. He so needs to be I'm out pre- of there. It's going to be Paolo. <laughs> and then, yeah, most improved player. I mean, I – I have a soft spot for Brunson just because he hasn't gotten any credit for what he's done this season. Like, what do you mean getting any credit? Well, like award wise, he hasn't gotten anything. No, no yeah, all star. Yeah, but you know how hard it is to get awards. Like, yeah, he was an all star. Exactly, but all these other like Mark Markin and SGA Brunson, both have been all stars. Brunson's best part of the season was after All Star break. Yeah, that, like he was great before the All Star break, but he was his best part was after All Star break. So, yeah, I mean, there's the argument for him as well. I bet Brunson makes an all-NBA team. Yeah? I think that'll be his award. I just don't think he'll get most improved. Huh, yeah. I mean, I just want to see him win something because he definitely deserves it. And no doubt he's changed that team into, like, fake people – fake into a fake team, like a laughing stock of the playoffs to, a, you know, legitimate, like, first-round contender, second-round. Yeah. Um, and finally, we have the MVP. This is a big one. We all we both thought it would be Jokic around the halfway point, a uh, couple weeks after the All Star break, and until uh, you know the Nuggets kind of fell off there. And I wouldn't say it fell off. They kind of just coasted. They, they saw that after them, the West was just kind of beating each other up, and they said, "I don't want to do that." That's true. But, but he didn't play and everything, and then that's when Embiid just popped off. So I think. The clear favorite right now is Embiid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any argument for the rest. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of votes that haven't been counted yet, but right now it's looking like Embiid. Yeah. But we'll see what happens when they get announced. They haven't told us when they're going to get announced yet, just probably later in the playoffs. 
Um, but it should be exciting. Moving on to the actual playoffs, what you're here to listen to. We've broken down the series into the, the good, the bad, and the best. Um, broken down the series of what the good series are, bad series are, and the best series. We want to start with the bad series. Like the series are kind of just snooze fest, like kind of hard to watch. There's been a lot of those games that are kind of just blowouts. Um, so we're going to break those down first. The first series, uh, it's, we only have one game, but probably the w- worst game to watch so far is, was the Nuggets at beating the T-Wolves. Yeah, that game, I I turned it on for a little bit, and you just start seeing the Nuggets just hitting, firing on all cylinders. And there was one point in the third quarter where they just like had like multiple defensive stops, and they were just hitting every shot. And it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I texted Corey. I was like, yeah, this is going to be sweet. But, yeah. <laughs> it's not that Timberwolves, like, are doing a bad job. It's just they're not as good of a team as the Nuggets. Like, it's just clear that they're the eight seed and the Nuggets are the one seed. The Nuggets have built a really good team around Jokic and Murray and MPJ. They have shooting. Bruce Brown was hitting on all his shots. KCP didn't miss from the corner, it mm-hmm. felt like. And so with Jokic spacing the floor and drawing Rudy Gobert out of the paint, or they had Cat guarding Rudy Go- uh, Jokic, which – was a mismatch all night. And then they had Rudy Gobert in the paint just chilling, and they shot threes. Exactly. It's like, it's just a bad matchup. Same thing we said with the Timberwolves and Thunder. Then the Timberwolves had a good matchup with the Thunder. Now they have a terrible matchup with the Nuggets. And it's not necessarily close. It wasn't really a fun game to watch unless you're a Nuggets fan. Yeah. And the Nuggets are the real deal. Uh, if, if you aren't on, on them, if you don't believe in them, well, you might want to start believing in them because they've proven it over the last couple of years that if they are healthy, they can be elite, and this is the time, and they're proving that right now. Yeah. Um, well, next series. Go back to when we had our, my buddy Jandy on the show. He said, all we need is Steph Curry out of the West. That's and true. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll get that later. We'll get that later. Yeah, come on, come on. But uh, next we have the, the Hawks. The Hawks are just trash. Uh, they're a bad team, and we're going to put them in the same category as the Nets, too. We can just talk about both of yeah. them. It's just clear the Hawks and Nets aren't playoff teams. The Nets obviously blew it up, and they kind of just got to the playoffs because KD and Kyrie had that stretch at the beginning of the year where they won like 14 in a row, and so I kind of carried them to succeed. But they, Mikel Bridges is really good, no disrespect to him, um, but their offense isn't that good. They get open shots. They just don't hit them. And they're, they're just not a good basketball team. Yeah. Like, it's just that. At the end of the day, same thing with the Hawks. Trey Young is not that good. He's getting clamped by Sam Hauser in the series. Like, I know I'm biased, but, like, if you watch the series, it's true. And then when Sam Hauser out of the game, you get Derek White on him. Derek White's blocked Trey Young straight up three times already in two games. Yeah. Like, that's hard to do as a guard. And so, like, it, they're just not good basketball teams. Yeah. Not good culture, not good basketball teams. There's a lot of things that – are going wrong with the Hawks. The Nets, they are in a better situation just because they're, you know, they, they didn't even mean to be in the playoffs, no. really. And they're just watching Mike, Mikel Bridges yeah. just, you know, grow in front of them. So Especially when they don't own their first on draft pick. They don't yeah. really care. Like, it's not going to them. It's going to the Rockets. So, but I will give them. I will give the Nets more credit for trying rather than the Hawks. The Nets have put up, you know, kind of a bit of a, a fight a little bit. Uh, the Hawks... They did it, like, in the first quarter, and then uh, yeah. that they was did it. like, the first six minutes, and then... <laughs> that was it. Like I said, Brogdon came in around the six-minute mark yeah. and said he was out last night. But we don't want to talk about too much of the bad teams. On to the good series. We had a good one last night. The Cavs and the Knicks, they split in Cleveland after the Knicks came in and kind of shocked the Cavs. Uh, the Cavs responded really well in a blowout yeah. win yesterday. They were up by, like, 30. 
uh, in the second half. I know it was close in the first quarter, and then the uh, Darius Garland took over. It was really good to see, the, uh, to take some weight off Donovan Mitchell's shoulders. And if he continues to do that, um, it's going to be a threat in the East the Cavs are going to be. So I'm really ex- excited to see what Darius Garland does in Game 3. Yeah, I think in Game 3, I think the Knicks are going to take it. The real game is going to be Game 4. See if mm-hmm. uh, the Cavs can steal home court advantage back. That will be big. I don't know. I just I just think MSG is going to go crazy. It's true. You know they've been waiting for it. MSG is going to be wild. They're going to be insane. They're going to rival Sacramento right now for probably Lotus Arena because they've been fiending for this. They have a good team. They can smell blood in the water, Stephen A. Smith says. Um, so they've got to finish the job and protect home court, um, which I think they, they might be able to do. Julius Randle took that hard fall in the end of the game, last game. So we'll see if he's okay, but – it's a fun series. It's definitely the best series out East, like by far. For sure. For so sure. it should be a fun series. Hopefully it goes seven, get some fun basketball out of it. Yeah. It's been the most fun to watch at least. No, yeah. Uh, the next we have the, the Heat. They shocked the Bucks. They were shooting insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first couple games they were playing games, they were not the Heat you know, of the playoffs that we, we thought we would see, like playoff Jimmy Butler and stuff like that. But that first game yeah. was, was playoff Jimmy Butler. One buckets. might say the – the Heat were ducking the Celtics because they wanted to play the Bucks. Could be, could be. But yeah, it's it was a really interesting game because, like you said, the Heat played really well. But Giannis went down early with that back injury. Um, then Tyler Hero broke his hand diving for a ball. Yeah, I still don't understand. I you see the replay of that. I'm like, where did he break his hand? He landed like awkwardly, and like that's all force going on there. Yeah. But like, anyway. I don't know why he dove for it. Tyler Hero is not a defender. Like, yeah. you're not making that play. He's trying to be a hustle guy, you know? Like, that's not your role. Let Masters do that. Playoff. Let Kyle Lowry do that. Like, but, so I, there was a hot take. It was uh, Re- Reggie Miller on TNT said that the Tyler Hero injury, that his loss would be a bigger impact than the Giannis injury, which I agree with 100%. Like, you look at the Bucks. Drew Holiday is a good enough player by himself to be the number one option and win this series. The, the Heat are not a good team. Outside the Jimmy, Tyler Hero, and Bam, the rest of the team is not good. Like, Matt Struess will have a fake 30-point game every now and again. But like, he's not a good basketball player. But on the other side, the Heat, you lose Tyler Hero, and then all of a sudden, the only shot creator on the team is Jimmy Butler. And if you put Drew Holiday and Jimmy Butler, like, the Heat have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I th- I can see like why he's saying that. However, I would say in the playoffs, Drew Holiday hasn't really been that guy in the regular season for sure. But I don't really. It's been one game. I no. I'm just saying like overall in his playoff career, I don't think he is you know the same as he is during the regular season. You look up the stats to back me up. I don't know. I'm just saying that. But I I just don't think of you know who's going to carry the team without Giannis I know I know we were saying that you know without like the that episode we talked about without Giannis mm-hmm. the the Bucks are still a great team yeah however you don't have that leader and Tyler Hero is definitely not the leader of the Heat we all know who the leader of the Heat is Jimmy Butler yeah. and so you're losing a leader in Giannis and the Heat well, still have a leader they're losing the top scoring like another scoring option Besides Jimmy Butler, however, well, here's the it's thing, not their you're go-to talking about guy. Leaders, but Drew Holiday is one of the best leaders in the league. He he is very mature. Brooke Lopez is very mature, very mature personality. You got Bobby Porter, six man of the year candidate coming off the bench, very mature. 
very straightforward. Uh, uh, Lace does all the right things. And then you got guys like George Hill, I'm pretty sure he's on the – no, he's on the Pacers now, and they traded him. But, like, you got all these guys that are really good, really solid players that can fill in and fill the void for Giannis in this series. Now, if Giannis misses extended period of time, which I don't think he will because I think he, the x-rays came back clean, but in this series alone, I think the Tyler Hero void will be felt more by the Heat than the Giannis void will be felt by the Bucks. I honestly think the Bucks will probably win in five still. I think that it won't be close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see because that's, uh, like, you still have Jimmy Butler. But, I mean, for for the playoffs overall, I mean, Drew Holiday is great. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I was just looking up his stats real quick because his, his regular season is, like, uh, this year he's averaging like 19. We only had one game of the playoffs. He had 16. But in the past he's averaged like 19, 17. I just don't know if that's enough to to score enough scoring if you know Giannis isn't going to be there. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, see how it tonight. pans out. Yeah, it should be a good game. And then next we have the Lakers. That was a big shocker. I didn't like like either of the teams. Uh, Lakers yeah. or Grizzlies. It's like. Who cares? Two of the most hated teams in the NBA right now. Um, <laughs> but it's – I don't know if it was a shocker, to be honest. I picked the Lakers to win that game um, just because I think the Lakers have momentum going to it. They believe they are the better team. And the Grizzlies had a lot of problems near the end of the season. And I, I bet they kind of view themselves as underdogs as well. That they don't want to admit it because they're the tough guys and the bad boys. But Whoop that trick. Like, but parade in my city. Like it's they don't want never admit it, but I guarantee they went into that matchup saying, "Dang, we got to face LeBron James in the first round." Mm-hmm. Like pretty much anyone in the league, if they had to play LeBron James first round, even if you were the higher seed, you're saying, "Well, yeah, we're probably the underdogs." You know that's what they're thinking, and then Dylan Brooks out here like, "Yeah, we want LeBron." They're they're just a discombobulated team. They talk a lot. They you know don't really prove anything. They haven't proved anything. And the Lakers have. They've won a championship with LeBron and Anthony Davis, even though it was Mickey Mouse. But uh, they, they've won, and it's going to be big because Jaws hurt. I remember saying last year I think that the Grizzlies are a better team. They play better together as a team without mm-hmm. Jaw. But still, Jaw, you know, he's the, your, your star, and yeah. he has to carry you. And if he's out, no question the Lakers are going to roll through the, the Grizzlies. Yeah, I think the biggest piece that's missing is when Ja was out last season, you had Steven Adams to kind of settle the, the storm. You get well, rebounds. You had Steven Adams and you had Slow Mo Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. Yeah. They lost. You had some, some guys you definitely lost, some pieces that they're missing um, through injury or walking free agency or they traded. But they still have some good pieces. Jaron Jackson Jr., Defensive Player of the Year. You still have Luke Gennari coming off the bench. He's one of the best three point shooters in the league. Still got Desmond Bain, an absolute beast. So, like they still have the pieces, and I think they will get the Lakers a run for the money because I think the Lakers have flaws beneath LeBron James. But I, like you said, I think without Jaw, they won't be able to keep up offensively mm-hmm. like they need to. Like I don't think Rui's going to have a thirty-point game, and no. I, I do think that Austin Reeves is that guy who will s- still continue to get twenty if he wants, mm-hmm. but. Those other players definitely stepped up for the Lakers, and that was a huge, you know, part of their win in Game One, stealing home court. So, I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to have better games, 
we don't know if the the supporting cast can keep it up. Yeah. But I would say this is the Lakers series to lose. Exactly. I think the the Grizzlies now are determined to play better without Jaw to keep them in the series. And the Lakers, the only people that can beat the Lakers in the series are the Lakers. Those flaws, those uh, role players kind of get in their own head and they mess up, then the Grizzlies have a chance to win. But if the Lakers do their job, I don't think it'll be close. Yeah, I agree. Well, we are now to the best series. This is what we want to talk about. We'll start with the most recent was last night with the Suns evening up the series with the Clippers. Uh, Monty Williams is still going to play his stars 40 minutes every game. It's an interesting strategy um, to play three guys who are pretty old. Well, Devin Booker's not old. But Chris Paul and Kevin Durant are pretty old, playing 45, 46 minutes a game when they're all three of them are coming off pretty big injuries this season. They miss a good chunk of time. Like, that's why Chris Paul and Devin Booker weren't all-stars this year. Um, so it's an interesting strategy. They're one-on-one one right now. And honestly, I thought the Clippers were going to win that game last night. Yeah. They were up by 11 going uh, in the second quarter, and they looked like dominant. But then Book caught fire, mm-hmm. which is what you're always scared of. Like, if Devin Booker starts not missing, then there's not much you can do. And the Clippers saw that. They bowed back. Kawhi had a monster game. Kawhi's been playing amazing this series. But when Booker is on fire like he was last night, it's just not what you can do. That's true. There's just a lot of firepower there. And when one of them catches fire, it's tough. And But the Clippers, um, like you were saying, they, they had like 11-point lead. I thought that they played great as a game two when you steal game one. Yeah. You kind of, you know, have that we already got what yeah, we, we got. Yeah, we, we did our job. But they came out and they still, they set the tone. They didn't mm-hmm. let the sun set the tone. So I was, you know, surprised by that. I was happy with that. And I'm also confident in Ty Lue. With his team, he's going to make adjustments. He has the depth, and we're going to see a lot of different things thrown at the the Suns, I feel like, uh, when they go to, to L.A. And that's an advantage that the Clippers have being deep. Mm-hmm. The Suns do not have that advantage. They have to play their yeah. guys 40 minutes, like we were saying, to win. Their bench, nothing. Yeah, the bench is non-existent. Uh, it's really bad. And then you got guys like Torrey Craig was shooting like four for five from three last night. Yeah, that's like, not that's, happening again. That's insane. So, and he starts talking this trash, saying like, oh, I knew it was going to go off because Zubach was guarding me. Like, bro, no one knows who you are. Like, get out of here. Exactly. But one thing that's interesting about the series is obviously Woj reported that Paul George is out for the series. But then you get clips of him just warming up on court. And it's like, he looks fine. That's true. So, like. I know Woj already said he's out for the season, the series, but maybe Woj is wrong. I there's been times before, like uh, they said, Rob Williams is gonna be out the net series last year. He came back around game four, and I just don't see how if the Clippers are like tied two two or they're down three one, how does Paul George not come back? Mm-hmm. Like he looks fine warming up. That's the big thing. I bet you that he will come back for game six. I think that the Clippers will, I think they'll split in in L.A. And then I think, you know, game five is going to be toss-up. And then game six in L.A., I think I think he'd come back for game six. If he is warming up right now and he's already getting those reps in, I don't know. I, I, I could see him coming and being like a savior. And then game seven, who knows what happens. Yeah, that would be a crazy series to have Paul George come back and kind of save the day. But I think the Clippers showed everyone that don't count him out. Kawhi is that guy. 
it reminds me of the 2019 Raptors where he kind of just is feisty and you can't count him out. And then Russell Westbrook, all praise oh. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's playing fantastic. Sealed the game, game one, with an amazing block and spiked the ball off Devin Booker. So, and he's honestly, like he said after the game, and like he's one of the best rebounding guards in the league. Mm-hmm. He was crashing the offensive board. He was getting them, getting second chance opportunities. So, like all praise to Russell Westbrook. He's playing amazing. Yeah, I'll still call him what Russell Westbrook, and he still has the turnovers, but he's proven that he is still an elite player, and you know, it's, it's someone that you can rely on. And I think when Paul George was trying to recruit him, the Clippers to trade for him, I think, you know, it was the right move for sure. But we want to get into the Kings and the Warriors series. You know, I have a lot to say about that. But the Kings, first off, I have to give it up to them. They've been out of the playoffs for 500 years, and they're <laughs> and they're back here for the first time. And you so can tell Danon's pissed about this. For them to get home court advantage and to keep their home court, you know, I'm I'm proud of them. I think that's great for their fan base. They deserved it, right? If anything, if the Warriors lose and the Kings win this one, like they deserve it. You can't count that out. However, I will say for the Warriors, there's a lot of things that are going wrong with them. Like we said during the whole regular season, we thought that we would see a switch flipped. We thought that we would see that defensive intensity throughout the whole all of the games. We thought that we would see a little bit of cleanup on the turnovers. I mean, I'm still expecting them to turn over a lot because that's just the style of play. But the rebounding, the effort plays, is just not there for them. And that's what's you know lost them these two games because they've both been close. They haven't been blowouts. They've been right in them. They've missed key shots and just the second chance points, the hustle stats. The Kings have just been all over them. Speed kills, and we've seen that. And that's all I have to say just for how that series is going. We're going to see in game three and four, like, it's hard to win at Chase Center on the road. So I think that I expect the Warriors to win these two. And... You know, if they win these two, I think it's going seven. Like I said, if they lose this next one, I think it's over. So. Yeah. Here's the thing is the Kings did their job. It's the age-old saying the series doesn't start until the home team loses a game. Like, let's be honest, the Warriors were really bad on the road. And so coming into a series, first two games on the road, like what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. Like, they were going to lose. And like – Yes, everyone's like, oh, the Warriors defending champs. They're really good. They got Andrew Wiggins back, which we can talk about Andrew Wiggins later. But um, that whole thing is just like they weren't a really good road team. And so they're kind of expected to lose. And all props to the Sacramento Kings fan. Uh, we had those guys on last episode when they were at game two. And it was packed. And I didn't see very many Warriors fans there, which nope. is shocking because you and I both thought it was going to be like 50-50. Mm-hmm. But the Kings fans showed out. They were loud. That one fan was ringing the bell in Bob Myers' ear the whole game. They were going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it was kind of expected. Like, yeah, the Warriors, bad road team. The Kings showed out. They went crazy. Like, And the, the Warriors kept it close. Mm-hmm. They play a lot better than they have been on the road. And so now it all comes down to the Chase Center. The Warriors need to show out. They need to get loud. They need to uh, show their support. And I think players like Jordan Poole have better games at home. I think Clay Thompson will play better at home. And so I think it comes down to that. And then also 
we have to talk about the Draymond situation. Draymond Green got suspended by the league for Game 3, which was incredibly surprising to me. I didn't think what way did warrant it a T, or not a T, a suspension. And I think thought the NBA learned a lesson last time they suspended Draymond for a big game. And plus, it's like, this is the most exciting series you have in the playoffs. Like we talked about before, you have three series, which are just duds. That's three-eighths of the playoffs, which is duds. And so you have this one that's amazing. And I thought the NBA would want to cherish that. Like, kind of keep the fire going, keep it lit, keep the confrontation. See uh, Draymond's a bonus, banging out again, another game. But they just robbed us of that, mm-hmm. which kind of pisses me off. Yeah. I, I was even I was even mad about the ejection. Because, first of all, you see it. Sabonis falls down for no reason. He gets in the paint and falls down. There's no, there's, he doesn't get pushed. He doesn't get tripped. He runs into the paint, falls down, grabs, as he's falling down, he grabs Clay's jersey. I don't know why. Like, I guess you brace your fall by trying to make another guy fall. Makes sense. Then you fall, got, fall on someone's leg. Okay. Maybe, like, you didn't see where you're falling. You fell on his leg. Oopsie. And then, to, to quote, brace yourself. You get both hands in a headlock on some guy's ankle. I don't really think that's bracing myself. I think if I braced myself, I would put my hands on my head. Or, like, put my arms over my head. Haven't you, like, done, like, stop, drop, and roll or hidden under a desk for an earthquake? I don't know. I don't see putting your arms in a headlock position as covering yourself. So he grabs Draymond, and then Draymond trips... Which he's going to land on his his chest anyway. The problem with Draymond is he stomped on him. Yes, we all know that was intentional. He he took a big stomp. He saw he was going to land, and he just didn't like plant his foot and then jump off. He freaking stomped on his chest. And yes, that is bad. Draymond's reputation, whatever, just like throw him out of the game. But for Sabonis to not just just get like a little pat on the wrist, like oh, it's your first time. You don't have a history of doing that. Here's a little pat on the wrist. It's like if <laughs> I'm, I'm going to extreme here, but it's like if someone killed someone, like they're going to the jail, going to jail, right? But what if someone has killed someone before and does it again? Like what, what's the, it should be the same, right? Because you killed someone. Like it's just, I just don't understand how this punishment thing works and, like, what we're waiting. And if you're going back to, like, the finals when Draymond Green, basically, I will say he lost us a championship for being suspended game five. I was there. I watched LeBron and Kyrie score 40. But that game before, you see that play with him and LeBron? The refs don't even call a foul. They let the play go on as, like, LeBron stepping over Draymond and Draymond whacks him in the balls. They let that whole play go on. And then later, they reassess it and throw him out. So I know that Draymond's the guy, the menace, you know, kind of like the Dennis Rodman, kind of the, you know, Detroit Pistons bad boys guy. But you have to ref the play. You have to look at the play, not the player. And I feel like that this, like, suspension has been more at the player than the play. That's yeah. it. I I knew you were going to be passionate about it and you are going to have a little soapbox moment. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, but being trying to be unbiased here, 
and just look at it from both sides, I can understand the King's side of fan, like the King's side of fans, saying like, "Oh, he's just trying to protect his face," which I've never seen a play look so different from two angles. Like in one angle, it like it doesn't even look like he grabs his leg, and the other angle looks like he has his, like one is like completely wrapped up, and so like it's almost like completely different shots tell a completely different story. So Kings fans are looking at one angle, like Warriors fans are looking at another angle, and so there's a lot of different opinions going to this and like I think in my opinion it should have been they both get technical and you move on you keep playing the game it's a good game at that point you keep going or you both throw them out no you don't want to throw them out it's the playoffs of that you, game you don't throw them out if you're game. gonna throw someone well I my argument is just, if you're gonna throw one person out you're throwing the other person out too because a doesn't or b doesn't happen without a yeah I don't know it, it's but yeah I agree I agree with you in a perfect world playoffs move on like Draymond the the game before got his leg grabbed by Malik Monk we didn't Mm. know we didn't know anything until he brought it up right and then you look at it you go look at it and it's like whoa yeah he was getting like grabbed intentionally but that's the playoffs well here's the thing is that it's not only that Draymond did that and that Sabonis grabbed his leg I I honestly don't think the stomp was that bad for Draymond I'm gonna say it right now I don't think I think it was a knee-jerk reaction you get your leg. I mean, you have to on, land somewhere, and he's a big dude. Like, of course, it's gonna hurt. It's a big dude. Like, he's trying to get his balance, accidentally stepping on his chest. Now, did he push off the chest a little hard? Yeah, probably. But like, I think it was a knee jerk reaction. He was trying to get back in the play, trying to hustle. But then you go into what happened after the whistle was blown, and Draymond acted like a lunatic. That's true. He was egging on the crowd. He's running around doing Draymond things. And I think, honestly, if he didn't do any of that, if he sat on the bench like a good little boy and just said, hey, you're going to toss me, toss me. If you're not, don't. Like, I don't think he'd be suspended for this game. And so I think that's what Kings fans are pointing to more is that it's more than just a stomp. Although there's a lot of memes going around with the stomp. It's pretty funny. But, like, it's the way that he acted. The NBA has protected its brand. And Draymond has to know to keep a, a level head and keep calm in moments like that so he doesn't get suspended. Don't give the NBA a reason to suspend him. Mm-hmm. And so I think from Kings fans, that's their perspective. is like, A, he stomped down pretty hard. B, Sabonis was just trying to protect himself. And C, Draymond act like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand that point of view. Um, and I can understand the NBA want to protect themselves. But at the same time, from an outside perspective, outside Warriors and Kings just watching the series as a fan, it kind of pissed me off that they suspended him because I wanted to see that rematch in Game 3. Exactly. I want to see more playing time as a bonus for a on now. Yeah. Like, you you just robbed us of 48 minutes of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's upsetting as a fan. Yeah, and the league's gotten soft, and I don't, like, care, yeah, like, Adam Silver was watching the game. But it's like, yeah, just move on. Like, he got his punishment. He got ejected. The Warriors lost that game. Probably, you know, I can blame a lot due to Draymond not being down the stretch there. So, they already had that. Let's just move on. I don't understand the punishment for game three. Uh, the only argument for that is what you were saying, his antics, and then, you know, the past player. But yeah, that's we can just end with that. The Warriors know what they need to do. They've never been in this situation down 0-2. But game three is going to be huge. They're well, going to be – Very rarely when the Warriors in the playoffs, they don't have them come to court. Yeah. So I think that's why they've never been down on 0-2. And so they're going to be back at home. Yeah. Dub Nation's going to show out. I I expect that our fans will be like probably the loudest that's ever been at Chase Center just because they've seen the Kings and they know what's at stake. So they're going to be there. 
it's going to be a crazy environment. And I think that you're right. All the backup players, all the second pieces, you know, besides Steph, Steph's going to get his 30 if he wants. And Jordan Poole, Clay, like all those other players are going to step up. DiVincenzo and Kaminga. Kaminga is going to step up. I won't say that Wiggins is going to step up because he's already stepped up. Yeah, can you talk about Wiggins for a second? I, I do because he's well, been I... insane. Not playing for like three months and then coming back and just right off the gate. Like, sure, he missed a shot in the game one, but this last game, he was he was balling. Yeah, but like outside was balling. He just doesn't look like Andrew Wiggins. He looks like a, a guy that was cast to play Andrew Wiggins in a movie. Like, he doesn't look right. Um, and so I mean, you can say I understand that, like he hasn't been playing basketball for a while um, and he's getting into the group which is great to see but like obviously the, those three months took a toll on him but the first the first game 17 I'm not talking about stats I'm just saying I'm, I'm just not saying, talking about stats right I know now. I know you're saying I'm that saying, he's not looked but what he's looked like what he's looked like the first game he had four blocks he needs to rebound more yeah. he only has but three rebounds he stats. used to be rebounding but he's shot great he's been fine I, I, I'm not putting I'm anything... i about the man, not the stats. I know, but I'm not The putting, man doesn't look good. I'm not going to put any blame on Wiggins because... I'm not putting blame. Him and Steph... I just been, feel bad for him. Him and Steph and Looney have been the only three constants for That's that all team. I'm trying to say is I feel bad for him. I, yeah. he, does, he looks like those three months took a physical toll on him. He looks like a winter war, honestly. Yeah. And like, I feel bad for him, but, like, props on him for coming back in the playoffs and playing well. But, like... I just feel bad. I don't know what happened those three months. I don't know what the rumors obviously were false with that uh, was going on. But, like, the man just yeah. went through a lot in those three months. He's been through a lot, but he's still performed. And I think that says a lot. I don't think you can yeah, bag on him at all. Him, but, like, I, I just I, hope he's able to keep it up and hopefully yeah. everything's resolved off the court. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but that's going to – I think we'll wrap it up for there. Uh, we do. We do wanted to talk about some fun, fun news to end the show real quick. We'll just spend a quick second on this. But the in-season tournament next year, they're gonna have you know unique jerseys and courts apparently. So yeah, I'm stoked about that. That's gonna be lit. I I've said it time and time again. I think all leagues, all sports leagues, need to do this. They need to have more jersey concepts. Like, what's the con having more jerseys? Like, you have to make more of like. You're like they do jersey swaps. They're getting new jerseys like every week. Like, make more jersey concepts. You can sell them to the fans. You can have really good ones. You can have unique ones. And so I think, I think like the city edition jerseys they've done, the earned edition jerseys, uh, the statement jerseys. Like they've had some really good ideas. And we have fans designing their own jersey concepts that look amazing. And so I think they, if they give them the chance in the end season tournament to kind of design another jersey, which they can give to the fans, kind of a Hey, here's a gift to us. We're giving you a concept that you can wear, wear and you can rep and like enjoy supporting the team. I think it would be a plus for everyone. The mm-hmm. fans will enjoy it. The team will make more money. They'll, they'll look good. And the jerseys are just – it's fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, that, that should be fun to see next year. I also want to highlight real quick the the NBA did a little survey with uh, players, player survey. There's four questions that we want to go over. Uh, what the first is who's the most overrated player? Trey Young got the, the highest vote, other than other. Uh, but apparently, people think Trey Young is most overrated. I agree. Yeah. The Celtics fans were chanting at him last night at the free throw line, and he missed a couple of free throws. So I think we're getting to him. Yeah. 
But one thing that was funny about this, it doesn't show in this picture, but some of the, it showed like the other receiving votes. Yeah. One of the other was literally just the Grizzlies. It wasn't the player, it was just the Grizzlies. The whole team. And so it's pretty funny to see um, who gets votes. Julius Randle got some votes. Siakam got some votes. Jimmy Butler surprisingly got votes. And there's surprising names. Draymond even got a couple of votes. Damian Lillard Damian got Damian Lillard got him. yeah. And these are votes from players. Now, granted, they only did 54 players, which is a really small sample size. Yeah. And I would have liked to see him pull more, more players, which is weird because they've the sample size is different for each question. It's like, can you not ask each player the same question? Yeah, exactly. So it's a little interesting of a study and a poll, but they're funny results. And then uh, the most uh, – this one had 98 votes. Who's the best defender? Most people say that it's Drew Holiday followed by Lugenitz. I don't know how to say it. Lugen Stewart. And then uh, some others, Brooke Lopez, Marcus Smart, bam. So it's like kind of expected there. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. No, Jaron Jackson. Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. is pretty far down there, only 4% of the votes. But Drew Holiday commanding 28%. Yeah. But he's not wasn't really close in Defensive Player of the Year voting. And so, like, is it it's like players that they don't like guarding them or, like, the best defenders? Or, like, what are the players thinking? Uh, it's interesting because, like, the one question, best defender, can have a ton of different interpretations. For sure. For sure. And then the, the third one is who's the greatest player of all time? 103 votes for this one. And, of course, it's Michael Jordan, 58. Then you have LeBron James, 33. Kobe with 6.8. And then Bill Russell and Tracy Tracy McGrady. That one was weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a really big Tracy McGrady fan out there. Yeah, so. um, Don't even know who, but. The elite group. Yeah, those top three feel right. And Bill Russell getting some respect. I'm surprised Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't get any or votes. Wilt or Wilt or Larry um, Bird. Or let's be honest. I'm surprised Shaq they voted or... outside of LeBron and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, it's a two-handed race. Uh, Michael Jordan cleaned up, which was to be expected. This is still the MJ era of players. Like, the players growing up now, outside of, like, the rookies, they watched MJ growing up. Yeah. They fell in love with basketball because of MJ, not LeBron. So, like, mm-hmm. it's the MJ era. They can come back and pull him in 10 years. I think LeBron overtakes him. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's still a lot of people love MJ, but yeah, but the, the players then will be the kids who watch LeBron going up. That's true. So like yeah. they'll fall in love with LeBron. LeBron will be their goat. Yeah. So finally is uh, the ref one fifty nine <laughs> <laughs> votes for this. It's who is the worst ref, and the top is other. So there's a lot of mixed feelings there. But then you have Scott Foster. And then Tony Brothers, Evan Scott, Mark Davis, Tyler Ford, Ben Taylor, Ed Malloy, Michael Smith. Scott Foster kind of surprises me, actually, because apparently he's the, the best ref from the NBA, with according to like stats and however they look at it. But according to the players, it's Scott Foster. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I know a lot of players and don't like Scott Foster and Tony Brothers, so that's not surprising. I, won- I wonder what it would be if the fans voted. I bet oh, you. Oh, uh, be very similar. I bet you would be similar. I think you know Tony Brothers would be up there. Uh, Ed Malloy don't like him. Yeah, but for those of you guys who don't know, you can actually check the referee assignments before the game. Dan and I have grown accustomed to checking this because we know certain referees are really bad. Um, and I just got to point this out: the refs in the Minnesota Denver game. Check out those lineups. We got Mark Davies as the head ref, Ed Malloy and Tyler Ford as the other refs. No. A brutal referee crew. 
And then you got John Goble in Milwaukee today. Goble's good. Um, that's a good crew over there. And then Josh Tibben, Courtney Kirtland, Justin Van Dyne for the Lakers. Yeah, oh, another good crew. Good. Yeah, but that crew from Minnesota, except for Courtney, I I have uh, bad feelings right right Warriors now. Warriors fans have a lot of beef with refs. Courtney's not my guy right now. <laughs> I will I will stay uh, G- Jimenitas Petritus or whatever. <laughs> I still like him. <laughs> yeah, I get this random text from Dana, and it's just like pronunciation guy for this name. I'm like, bro, what the? <laughs> <laughs> just if you wanted to know, Jimenitas Petritus. Yeah. So. Uh, if there's a lot of refereeing uh, shenanigans being done in Minnesota and Denver, you know why. It's because that crew is brutal. You heard it here first. Yeah, so if you want to check it out, just go to uh, it's, it's the NBA Referee Assignments. Um, it's published by the NBA every day at 9 a.m. Eastern. So pretty early, you can go check it out. But uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for our, our content. We had a lot of stuff to discuss, but hopefully we went through it pretty quick so you guys get your fix. We'll end off with the bets. We have Corey still leading with 10. I'm at 8, and then we have five ties. But yeah, We tied last time in the play-in, um, which is pretty surprising. Um, there's only four games, but today there's only three games, so there's no, no way to tie. tie. Well, unless we tie all of them. That's true, unless it's a wash. Yeah. Um, but there's two half-pointers, so I guess that's true. Yeah. It'll be pretty hard. Okay. So, yeah, we'll let you start off then. All right. You, so but got, you can pick two. Hmm. We got Lakers minus one point favorites on the road at the Grizzlies. It's just hard to say because Jaw is still questionable. We don't know if he's going to play. Um, I think – I don't know. My gut is telling me to go Lakers. I think the Lakers win it. Yeah, I would think, I would think so as well. I think – yeah, just one point favorite. Mm-hmm. They take it to them. It's yeah, basically who wins the game. Yeah. Uh, next, you have the Heat at the Bucks. Gian- Giannis is doubtful for the game. Bucks are still favored six and a half at home. I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I'll do it. I'll pick the Heat. Really? Let's go. That's surprising. I know Tyler Hero's out, but Jimmy is that guy. Yeah, Giannis right now is listed as doubtful. Um, so the odds of him playing seem pretty low, it seems like. So that might be a good pick. Um, I like the Bucks in this game. I probably would have picked the Bucks still just because I feel like they defend home court. Yeah. They can't go into Miami down 0-2. That's a recipe for disaster. I think Drew Holiday is a big game. I think Brooke Lopez is a big game. I think Grayson Allen is a big game. Yeah. That's a hot take right That's there. That's a hot take, yeah. But I think the Bucks will clean up. But going into the last game, like we talked about, the brutal refs. You got Timberwolves at Nuggets. Nuggets are minus eight half point favorites. Like you talk about in the beginning of the series, the Timberwolves just aren't a very good team. We know not to bet against the Nuggets. They're at home. They're a really good basketball team. I think Nuggets take care of business. I think they win by double digits. I agree. I think uh, that series is over already. Um, but yeah, those are those are our bets. We have some great games tomorrow as well. We'll be back on on Friday, so we'll yeah. cover those games that happen tomorrow. Hopefully the Warriors can win at home. That will make me happy. Yeah, sorry about the little sporadic schedule we got going on. It's finals week here in college, so we got a lot going on right now. But we're dedicated, determined to get you guys the best content we can and cover the NBA playoffs because we know it's a lot of fun to watch and uh, listen to. For sure. You know we're still watching it while we're studying and stuff. So. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode on Four Wins in June. We will see you on Friday. And hopefully your team wins. We'll see you next time.